And Mark's Gospel, please, chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephbatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, as part, his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. And they charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal they published it. And they were beyond measure, astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Chapter 8. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way for divers of them came from far. Let's pray. Father, take your word, describe it in our hearts. We thank you for your presence, for the sense of you this morning in our midst. We thank you for your faithfulness to this people. And we pray, Lord, whether... Lord, it's in this room today, or whether it's those who are watching live or later, we pray a blessing of your word to be with them and upon them. And Lord, that you would glorify your son. May he alone be seen and exalted. In his name we ask it. Amen. If you notice here in our reading, we find that the Lord Jesus comes from Tyre and Sidon. He came onto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. Now the thing about it is, is when we read on and into chapter 8, we see the crowd is building and gathering. He's at the coast of Decapolis and Decapolis was a region of 10 cities. And so because of the region of 10 cities, it was a, quite an area to cover. And yet people knew about him. People came to him, to the coasts from the cities. And we have to ask ourselves then, hi, there's no internet, there's no newspapers, you know, there, there's no telephones, there's no cell or mobile phones. Well, what happened that they would all hear and come to follow after Christ? For whatever reason that they would come, how did they find out? Well, I believe that the answer starts in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, if you'll turn with me, please. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And they came over onto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cunning himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? 
I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thy unclean spirit. And he asked him, Why is, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the sea, pardon me, nigh unto the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they were choked, they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city, in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And when they had come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had, had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind, they were afraid. And they, they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in notice to Capulus how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. This man, the madman of Gadara, he's known as. This man with a legion, thousands, think about it, thousands of demons in him. And he's in the mountains, he's in the, the hills and the caves, and he's ostracized from society. They've tried to bind him with chains and with fetters, and the, the, the supernatural strength that he receives from these demonic forces, he breaks them. Nothing could bind him, nothing could hold this man. But when Jesus stepped out of the boat and onto the shore, the man runs, falls down and worships him. Jesus had said, come out, and he falls and worships. And the legion of demons, or if we can call him legion at this point, the man who has this legion starts crying, don't cast us away. You see, look, brothers and sisters, demonic forces don't live in buildings. People are telling you demonic forces are in buildings. They're in houses. They're in such and such. That's nonsense. They, they didn't even want to be cast out into the ether. But rather, here's the pig. We'll even go to that which is abomination and an abominable thing to you. They're looking for a house to live in. The devil wants a house to live in. Do you know that? He wants a house to He wants the house which is the temple of the man and the woman, their body. He wants to live in a heart. He wants to live in the soul or attached to the souls of men and women. And so when the Lord says, you're not going into him, you'll go nowhere else, you'll go into the swine. And listen, the swine is an abomination unto the Lord. It's an abominable animal. Even the swine couldn't stand to have these demonic forces and influences in his life. So this man who's been in the caves, and it says night and day, cutting himself with stones, tormented and crying without ease, without help, none other can succor him to to, to encourage him. 
set him free or deliver him. But when Jesus comes, that's what makes a difference. You see, brothers and sisters, you see, here's a picture of men and women if they're outside of Christ and they end up in hell. Only it's, all, it's never ending. Tormented night and day. Revel, the book of Revelation tells us about this, about the great lake of fire. Well, there's tormenting day and night forever and ever and ever. Where souls will be tormented forever. I trust there's nobody here or listening who will be in that place, but rather will come to know Christ as their Savior. But when Jesus comes, the man's only hope is to get to the Savior because the Savior had come to him first. The Savior had sought this man out and this man came to his only hope, his only relief and to his only help. And the the herd ran violently down a steep hill and into the sea and they were drowned. Here's something I thought about this morning around, I don't know, 5.30 this morning. Here's something I'm sitting thinking about. When the, 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 when the swine had drowned, when the pigs had went into the sea and drowned, when the swine had drowned, where did the demons go? Well, they must have went looking for another house to dwell in because they don't dwell in man-made temples. They don't dwell in buildings. So they're out looking for somewhere to stay. Somewhere to live. A life to control. Can I put this to you? I can't be dogmatic on it, but can I put this to you? That those demonic forces went towards Decapolis. And there they would find ten cities worth of souls. There they would find ten cities worth of men and women like you and like me. Men and women who are souls, living beings. They wanted to drag, as it were, to hell. So I have to ask, where did they go? Because we're not told. The strange thing is, Christ would know where they'd go. And yet by the end of all of this, we find uh, that when those who had sold the pigs, or, or who, who were rearing the pigs, had come out and seen what had happened, we're told this in verse 17, and they pray, they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. In other words, they seen the miraculous power of God. They seen the wonder working power of God. They seen the power that's invested in Christ and he give to this man to be released. You see, he did what man couldn't do. He released from the devil which no religion or authority was able to do of that day. But the power of the living Jesus did it. And they saw that. And when they saw that, They could have said, this is the Christ, this is the Christ. But no, they said, get out of the way. We don't want you here. We don't want you here. And brothers and sisters, how many times has has the Lord still done miraculous things in the lives of men and women? How many men and women have testified of the saving grace and, and the keeping power of the Lord Jesus Christ? And how many times has there been miraculous happenings that have happened and men and women have seen it? And yet it says, depart out of our coast. We don't want to know you. I don't want to know anything about this, Jesus. Listen. Remember one time a few years ago, and some of you know this, a wee boy of six came up in a healing service that we had on a Friday night in a tent meeting. I prayed for him. Prayed for him once and nothing happened. Prayed for him twice and nothing happened. Prayed for him the third time. The wee boy went 
Just as if he was in a trance in the spirit. And the wee boy hadn't heard in his left ear from birth. And the Lord healed him in the middle of the meeting. He's went to the hospital and they're going, he shouldn't be hearing. He had no eardrum. And the parents take him to church, glorifying God, and the minister preached against him. Brothers and sisters, not only in the outside in the world, but in the church world, we want to put Jesus outside when it gets too miraculous and supernatural for us. We're saying, yes, this far, thus far and no further, Jesus. And the Spirit of God can move to a certain extent, but when we get to our uncomfortableness, we don't want it. Or when it starts to affect me. It starts to affect my theology. My philosophy. My upbringing. When it starts to affect me, then Jesus departed of our coast for a minute because we can't handle this. Brothers and sisters, he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Notice here, this, these people, they pray or ask him. And the idea is they were, they were getting angry and aggressive with him to get away from their coasts. And it's in the world today. It's in the world today. It's in the world when you tell people about the love of God. And it's in the world when you try and present Christ to people and what he's done even in your life. And it's, uh, don't you dare talk to me about this, Jesus. We don't want to know him. It's like the Pharisees at the crucifixion take him down and out of the road because it's in the high Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, religion can be as bad as the world. Notice here, it says here in verse 18, and when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed that he might be with him. See the difference? <laughs> the one who was possessed, the one who was the outcast, the one who nobody could bind, the one who nobody could help, the one whom Jesus liberated, delivered and set free, he's the one running and saying, I want to go with you. I want to be with you. The thing about this is it struck me, even just early this morning when I was reading, the thing about this that really struck me hard was this. Not only are those who reject him, but when Jesus really, truly, and fully comes into encounter and a man with Jesus in an encounter, whenever they get saved and blood washed and they're born again, when they have a true relationship with Christ, when they've really understood that they'll be forgiven of their sins, Jesus paid their full debt, holy and completely in Calvary, when they realize that all that is in Christ is now invested in them, they want to follow him. They want to walk with him. They want more of him. His company, brothers and sisters. His fellowship, brothers and sisters. Can't get enough of him. I get concerned when there's people say they got saved and they don't turn up to a church or into some sort of fellowship or place of worship for weeks. I get concerned. I get concerned. When I first got saved, I remember the third day I was having an attack of, of all the stuff that I was delivered from. Listen, I was the chiefest of sinners, and you can say it about you if you want, but I'm saying it about me. And all the things that I was delivered from, not only saved, but delivered delivered from it. And whenever I was delivered from it, I remember on the third day, I'll never forget it, 
Everything like hell came on me looking to rehouse again. But he couldn't, you know why? Because the Holy Ghost was living in him. And I got up, but I didn't realize my position in Christ. You know what I did? Around the whole way down to see if I could find Pastor McConnell. And whenever I got there, I met another pastor and I sat and talked. He started telling me about what Christ has done. He does all things well. Jesus does all things well, brothers and sisters. He whom the sun sets free is. Free what is it? Free We're free. Amen. People say, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that or whatever. Listen, that's all the sin that binds you. You're, the people who do those things, the people who live in that sin, the people who follow after, are those who are like, we don't want you, Jesus, because you're starting to encroach into my life. Thus far, no further, get to the shore and onto your boat. Let me live my life. And they think that we are bound and captive because, well, we don't do this and that and the other. And from I've got saved in the grace of God, I, I haven't touched drugs and I haven't touched alcohol and I haven't been out to dances or discos or whatever raves or whatever you want to call them. And all those, I haven't been out to all of them. Does that make me any more safe? No. Does it make me any more righteous? No. It just makes me that I want to be sanctified in his presence. Keep relationship with him is to keep the life clean. And to keep the life clean will bring you into closer bonds and relationship with him. And I'm finding that those sins that held me were actually the chains that bound me. And the devil used them. But when Christ came up the shore to my life, I found he set me free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I've been free ever since. Free ever since, brothers and sisters. And this is the Christ that this man has met. And this man is wanting now that he might be with him. Verse 19 says, How be it Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And hath had compassion on thee. So the Lord said, No, you're not coming with me. How disappointing. But you know what he's saying? You go home and do as I tell you to see what happens next. There's certain things the Lord wants you to do and you just can't figure it out. You can't work it out and you can't understand it in the place and the part, the position where you are now. But you know God is with you. You know that the Lord has sent you. And you know every step you take, you claim it in victory in the name of Jesus. And the thing is, this man went forward. And this man went into Decapolis, ten cities. Imagine one man to try and reach ten cities. Think about this. Sure, we can hardly reach Guildford. Am I right in the middle of it? This man went out. You know what all he taught? You know what he preached? He says, look at my life. Look at the change. I met Jesus. I've met Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let's remember that from the day and hour we have met Christ, we're saved to serve. And to go on with him and to worship him and to love him. It says that the Lord said, tell how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And then in verse 20, he departed and began to publish in the capitalists how great things, notice Jesus, notice how great things the Lord hath done. So Jesus says, 
Go and tell them what the Lord has done, the great things he's done. And the man goes, I will. And he just goes and he doesn't say, the Lord, the Lord, as if everyone has to guess, he says it was Jesus. <laughs> Tells me Jesus is the Lord. Tells me Jesus is the Lord. In fact, in Luke's account, Luke says, he says, go and tell everyone how great things God has done for you. God has done. And he goes and he proclaims and publishes in Decapolis the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Legion is in Decapolis. The Lord goes from the shores. He goes around uh, Nazareth direction. He comes down the other coast. He feeds a multitude in between these two, these two readings of ours. He gets onto the ship after the ship going to sink in the middle. We know the story. And he walks in the water. And he takes the boat to the other side. And he lands here back over to the Capolis. Notice here. He departed and began to publish in the Capolis how things, great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Legion, the man with the great horde of demons and devils. The man residing in the caves and the mountains has been set free and saved. He's been, if you want, redeemed and delivered and liberated. He becomes a a wonderful witness for Christ. He becomes a tremendous testifier. wonder how our lives are. After what he's done in our lives. An honorary herald, and he's become an enamored advertiser for the Lord. Enamored with Christ. Loving him. He's in the region of ten cities, Decapolis. The man of infamy, the man of the tombs, the man of the graveyard, the man of the caves of the mountains, the outlaw and the outcast the reject of society, the hopeless case in the eyes of humanity, one who cried with torment night and day, who writhed in pain, who broke every chain they had bound him with in fetter. This man now, what's he doing? He's preaching with passion. He's preaching with passion. How passionate are we about him? Church, has your passion gone? Are you passionate about him? In a world and society that we live in that would so easily douse it with the water of sin and the waves and the billows that might go over you with the, uh, bringing doubts and unbelief. And are you still passionate about that no matter what way the world turns, no matter what way the church goes, are you still passionate enough to say, no, it's Christ for me? This man, is, he's preaching with passion. He's confessing with conviction. Of, he's met this Jesus. Do you know, there, there's conveyor belt preachers where they go because it, it seems to be they join denominations. Not all of them, I'm just saying there are some. And, and, and what they do is they do the whole conveyor belt thing where they, they, they do their schooling and they do their learning and then they go out and they get a position in a church because maybe the money's pretty good. And it's a decent lifestyle. They don't know Christ. They've never met Jesus. I told you before, I used to be a taxi driver and I picked a man up 
his wee collar on. I took him down. Just the best brook. Talking to him the whole way down in the car. Different things. Try to get a conversation with him. You, know, you don't want to be nosy. Or, and he's getting out of the car. And as he's getting out of the car, I put my hand on his hand like this. I reached over and I said, friend, do you love him? He was horrified. I said, do you love him? He went, didn't answer me. And he got out and closed the door. Brother, sister, do you love him? I love him. This man, he's uh, confessing with conviction because he's met Christ. And he's talking and telling of the truth who is Christ. And he's claiming Christ. And with the, he's compelled with confidence through a, a collision course that he's had with the compassion of Christ. This man, nobody wanted to know him. But yet, Jesus is still the friend of sinners. And the ones in society that, that the last person you could ever think of that would get saved, they're the sort of people Jesus saves the weak and the foolish and the base things. To confound the ways and, and those who are stronger. See all those ones with the, you know, the, 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 the string of letters like the alphabet after their name and they could tie up in knots and then come back and ring you out for more. You know those sort of men will, uh, who, will, who will deny the existence of God. So intelligent they, they could run rings around you with their blind of a science. But yet with more wisdom than a lot of them. Because God has come and he's placed his spirit in word in us. Oh, brothers and sisters, this man, he's compelled with confidence through a collision course with the compassion of Christ. Mark 5 and 20 says, He departed and began to publish in the capitalist how great things Jesus had done for him. Notice, it says in verse 19, Jesus said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. If anybody should know what that means, it should be you. We lose sight of it. We forget about it. We listen to about it. We hear of the blood of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we hear of his death on the cross. We hear of the, the, the wicked, cruel, torture implement that it was. But after a while, it's like we become numb to it. I remember when I was younger, and I'm sure many of you do, and there's those who are younger who would never even know anything of this, but those my age or around about are even older. You'll remember that... It got to the place when the troubles in Northern Ireland were here and all the murder and mayhem was going on. You heard another shot and another bomb and somebody else was killed or three here or two there or whatever. And you know what happens after a while? Oh, there's another one. That was a soul. That was a person. That was a man. That was a woman. That was somebody's son or daughter or husband or wife or children. That's their grandparents or their grandchildren. And that's the way humanity is. We devalue life after a while and we hear about it at the start and we're horrified. 
horror, horrified. It's horrific. But then after a while, we start getting used to it. And such it is with the cross of Christ. Such it is with the blood of Jesus. We sing about it. Thank you for the cross and thank you for the blood. And so we should. But we lose the very passion of the heart of it. The depth of it. And the meaning of it. And the power of it. And the glory of it. And the beauty of it. And the wonder of it all. We lose it. So same with God's compassion. We should know what it's like. This man went with conviction because of Christ's compassion to tell the lost. Look, what a, what a testimony this man has. What a, what a witness he is. You see, the compassion of Christ, brothers and sisters, changes lives. The compassion of Christ converts the lost. The compassion of Christ casts out the devil from the lives of men and women. The compassion of Christ convinces the doubter. The compassion of Christ cures the conscience of men and women. Compassion of Christ will cultivate the heart, captivate the soul. For the compassion of Christ has cleansed us from sin. Cleared us from our debt. Clothed us in righteousness. Compassion of Christ covered us in the blood. Oh, gratitude in the hearts of men and women seemed to wane, seems to drift. And our lives are caught up with time in the world and work. Even God's house suffers for the comforts of home. Legion preached Jesus unto them in the compassion of Christ. It catapulted him into controversy. You know why? Because he was passionate about Jesus. And you can be assured as you're sitting in your seat, as soon as you're compassionate and passionate about Jesus, it will catapult you into controversy. You know why? Because if you love him, you'll not be able to stop talking about him, witnessing for him. He was to be a witness, a living, walking, talking, vivid, breathing, unsearchable demonstration of what Christ can do in a man or a woman. Have you grasped that, brother? Sister? What's the testimony like? What's your testimony like? People know you as a man or a woman who loves Jesus. They know you as a man or a woman who is passionate for him and about him. Some testimonies are so easy, ruined and wasted. It's not a testimony to see your car at church or at your door on a Sunday morning when the Lord's house is on, if you're able, that is, to be. It's not a testimony to, for them to see you go into the pub and sit with the rest of them. That's not a testimony. I wrote this note to self. Note to self. 
our glory must never be in what we can do or what we have done for Christ, but in what Christ has done and what Christ can do in us. We glory only in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice here, this man, Legion, meets the Lord and he falls at his feet on the beach. The devil is cast out of him and it becomes this great testimony, testifier and witness for Jesus. I love it, Psalm 41 and verse 11 says these words. Let me get a drink. Psalm 41 verse 11. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. <laughs> Did you hear that, brother? When the enemy's at your door, is he? Sister? The enemy's among your family, is he? The enemy is troubling your soul, troubling your heart, troubling your mind. The enemy is coming and whispering to you and uh, and secret things in the night watches to make you fear and cause you to be anxious, because you, to, to cause you to be troubled in your heart and mind. Is that right? Well, look at what it says here. By this I know that thou favorest me. Are you saved this morning? Are you saved this morning? Are you Christ this morning? Will you say amen if you are? Amen. Let the devil hear amen, would you? Amen. So we're saved, you see. And because we're saved, we're saved by grace, by the favor of God. I'm favored by God this morning. You're favored by God. God's favor has been upon you. And he says, by this I know that thou favorest me. How do I know you favor me? He says, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. The devil is a liar. The devil is a defeated foe. And God is still on the throne. And he says, you know what? He says, Lord, I know. I know because the enemy can never, no matter how many times and no matter how hard he tries, he can never overcome me because you favor me. Wow, I'm a favorite of the Lord. Don't ask me why. So are you. You're favored of the Lord. David says, you favor me, you take pleasure this is what some of the terms this means. You take pleasure in loving me. You take pleasure in loving me. My heavenly father takes pleasure in loving me. I'm unworthy, brother, sister. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be so. It shouldn't be so. But it is. Why? Because he hath ordained it so. He hath chosen it. He's placed his love on you. It means you favor me, you take pleasure in loving me. And listen, it also means you take pleasure in loving me and keeping me in a justified state. (laughs) A declared righteous state, even though you're wicked. I remember when I was pastoring in Dublin and I said that and the Dubliners didn't know what wicked was. They thought it was something up a center of a candle. That's true. I thought they would have known that. Just a few miles down the road, I went, I'm wicked. They, they looked at me like with boggly eyes and two heads, you know. Even though who I am, I'm wicked. Because of that, even though I feel him, 
falter, a fall. Try not to. But even though I'm all of those and so much more, I'm wicked. He keeps me in a state of righteousness. Why? It's not because of who I am or what I've done. Because he can't see past what his son has accomplished. And what Jesus has done for you and I. It's nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with me. He keeps us in a justified state, declares us righteous. It means you delight in pronouncing me righteous. Isn't that lovely? So this is some of the renderings of the Hebrew text of this. I know that you favor me because you, you, you love to keep me in a state of righteousness. I'm aware of that. You must love me, Father. Because I'm unlovable. And you take pleasure in exercising and performing and maintaining these things over me. And the enemy, you ready? And the enemy can't triumph over that. So that's always glory in the cross. Notice he says, go tell how great things. Time's near away already. Says, what, do you, what do you think of that? We'll go on a bit more. How great things. It says here in verse 19, How Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Notice he's saying, go tell them, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. This man would have been known. This man would be known. That's that madman of Gadara. That's him in the tombs. Go tell him what the great things the Lord has done. That he that was possessed with the devil, he keeps talking and he keeps witnessing, he keeps preaching and heralding, he keeps testifying and advertising and announcing and proclaiming. He preaches Jesus' compassion, his grace, his glory, his goodness, his mercy, his wonder, his beauty, his splendor, his authority, his deity and his power. And he says, I'm the same man you tried to bind with chains and fetters and you put as the outcast into the mountains and the hills who was wailing in torments day and night and night and day and none could help me. But I met Jesus. I've had a Christ encounter. I was a demonic. I think his testimony could be summed up in Psalm 40, verses 2 to 5. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit from the mighty clay, set my feet upon a rock, established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth. Listen. Even praise unto our God. See, the thing is, many shall see it and shall fear. No, and shall trust in the Lord. That's it. That's the testimony. Look at the change in him. Look at the change in her. They're not going to see it when we're sitting in the same places with him. I told you before, and I'll tell you again, and I actually come at this big fellow on the 11th of July and I was driving around looking at the bonfires before they let them to see who had the biggest bonfire. And I went around Belfast and it was a sorry disappointment. I don't go in there because there's too much oil nonsense going right now. I just thought I'd go around and see. I'm up, up in the, one of my old areas I lived in Taggers Bay. I thought I was going to see this big torn 
block ready to burn. This was during the day. There was hardly anyone around. And I drove in, and lo and behold, there's some of these boys working around it. And I stopped in the loop, because I got stuck behind us. I don't know what it was. I turned around the corner, and I couldn't get by. And I could see them all watching. Who's he think he is? He is this character. And when they walked over, they knew, they knew me and they recognized me. Ellie was in the car with me and all of them. Put the window down. This big fella who came to the Lord and was going on so well. Big tall lad. He says, you want to see my, my, my uh, police record? I got a print out of it, Ken. I says, right. And he got it and he lifted his hand away up over mine was. It was all on a roll and he let it go. And it still hadn't unraveled when it hit the floor. It was well known. He was coming. He used to come in. I brought him into the, the wee apartment, the flat that I had in Mount Vernon. He lived there at the time before he had to move to Tigers Bay. And he came come in and he sat in the wee flat with others. And I used to tell him the scriptures and talk about the Lord to them. And this man made a profession that could save them. And he went off. Uh, and he was in every meeting. You'd went to his house and he used to have the big steel doors. And all you heard them clunk. And you've heard maybe Alison talk about that sometime. Security doors because they would have kicked. Ours was next door. Me had a wee flimsy lock. And Alison used to say, Can we have to get the wrong door? I said, We're covered in the blood. You're all right, love. <laughs> Should have got a bar on it anyway, you know, but. Used to have them in. Prostitutes and had them all sitting around. The, and Alison used to be coming up nine floors up the lift, going, Lord, please don't let anybody get into this lift. She was coming from the wee country area, you know, way out in the middle of nowhere, this nice quiet area. And, and there she was coming up the flats in Mount Vernon and she's going, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. You didn't let anybody get into the lift. She was petrified. She walked in, they're all sitting in the living room. <laughs> Tell them they needed to see it. This guy. Going on well, and he's going out to meetings. Even on his own, he was going out. You, talk, you, you called to his, his house, and, he, and, and when he was in his, or his, his flat beside us, and you had heard the Christian music playing instead of, uh, you know, all sorts of worldly music, and there was no partying going on anymore. For months and months, he was going on with God, and he thought just once I'll go in. A bar was called in Tiger's Bay called McEldown. He's not there anymore. It's knocked down. Praise the Lord. Anyway, it's another one out. He thought, I'll go in here, just he sat and talked with some of the boys. And he ended up getting, I think it was a shandy, he got her a pint. And the boys who were up to their necks and everything, sitting with him, starts talking about Jesus to them. You know what they said to him? Hold on a wee minute. If this Jesus that you saying has done so much for you and, lo- and who you love so much, if, if he's so good, why are you in here sitting with us taking that? That was their words to him. Hit him like that and he never recovered. He came running over me in the 11th. I haven't seen you in such a long time. And and he still had reverence, as it were, and respect for my being a Christian. There he was, away, getting ready for his drinking session that night. Brothers and sisters, it's important who we sit with. It's important where we go and how we talk. It's important about our testimony. Many shall see and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord, says the psalmist. Listen. This man went and he says, look what the Lord has done. 
The devil tried to drag me to hell, but look what the Lord has done. The devil came to steal, to kill and to destroy, but look what the Lord has done. The devil had me bound and fettered and chained and captive, but look what the Lord has done. The devil took my mind. He took my strength. He took my health. He took my hope. He took my joy and my peace and my happiness. He took my well-being. But look what the Lord has done, he says. It was indisputable. And what I tell you, when a man and woman says, oh, I've got saved and they've met Christ, listen, they'll never be the same again. Don't care. I, I don't care uh, what they say. I don't care many times I've walked up an aisle or lay on a floor or bowed at an altar or raised up a hand and said so many prayers. That doesn't impress me. I don't care about that. It's the change of the life. The man and the woman of God are different. Notice Psalm 33 and verse 9, it says, For he spake and it was done. And he commanded and it stood fast. And old legion found that when he came face to face with Jesus. And so hearts are stirring and Jesus ends up coming back to the shore. And that's the multitude of heard. There are those who went and spoke ill of Jesus and the devils went into the sea and the pagan. Possibly they have went and followed after those hearts that have rejected him. Christ came back again. He says, I'm coming to you again. I'm coming. Is there someone that God has spoken to before? You've rejected him and he says, I'm coming to to you again. We're told that they were beyond measure astonished in chapter 7 of verse 37 saying he hath done all things well. I'll finish with this. They were beyond measure. It means that they were, it gives the idea of not only astonishment, but to be struck out of self-possession. That's what it means. It's a really strong word in the original text. It means the miracle was so great that it almost deprived these people of their self-possession. This is Jesus. Look, look at this man's testimony. Look what he has done. Start to lose their own minds over this. Brothers and sisters, may we never be amazed or astounded or astonished. Cease to be, I should say, at what Christ has done at Calvary and in our lives. We should be walking out of here, not in pride, but with our hearts filled, full of the Spirit, with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, knowing that he has favored us knowing that we and his grace can go on in him and knowing that no matter what happens, the devil will not triumph over you because he loves you and he will never cease to do so. For his name's sake, God bless you all this morning.